0: Well, good morning. good morning. This morning we're in for a special treat. We have a guest preacher. His name is Davidson John Roish. Rejouis. He's from France. Davidson, uh, Davidson I first met Davidson at, at Perimeter Church. That's where he works. He's the, the director of global mobilization and shepherding, uh, which means he does everything. And uh, the first time I saw Davidson, it was at a life-on-life discipleship uh, training. Davidson was up there playing the guitar with this T-shirt on him. His muscles were bulging, and he was praising like this. So I was like, man, I like that guy. Um, I was like, pastors can be bros too. And so I was thinking, man, we got to become friends. Um, and so we've become friends over the past year or so. And um, I'm not just inviting D- Davidson up here or to Parkview Church because he has muscles. Um, I'm invited, we've invited him because he has an even bigger bigger heart for God. His heart for the Lord is huge. He has an affection for Jesus Christ that is um, overt. And anyone who loves the Lord and longs to serve his church through the preaching of his word with some common things such as weights, uh, we're always going to say, come on up. So, brother, come on up. Parfey Church, why don't you give him a warm welcome.
1: Thank you, Thank you so much, brother. You. Thank you. Oh. Good morning. Man, it is such a pleasure and honor to be with you. Anytime that I get to share God's word, I brought my big Bible because I need as much help as possible. It's always a pleasure and honor to share the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And it is always humbling that the Lord will see a fitting to call me to such a great task. So, again, my name is Davidson Jean rejouis You did a great job of pronouncing the last name. It's a tough one, it's really hard for people to get. I've been married now for almost 13 years. We have four children, and I have three of them here, and the other one is sick at home with the mom. And so, as we begin, let me pray for us, and then we'll dive in into God's word and scripture. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for who you are. Lord, we pause longing to hear from you, I didn't get that. longing to know more of you, sorry, may you speak and lead us, Father, today, we need to hear from you, we need more of you, Father, may we not leave this place the same as we were when we walked in, God, be, be with the one that speak now, may you make fall away all the things that's not of you, but the thing that is of you will stick to heart and encourage hearts. God, I thank you for Jesus, in His name we pray, Amen. This morning our text is found in Colossians two. It's going to be Colossians chapter two, verses six to fifteen. This is what we read: Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were thought, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirit of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rules and authority. In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hand and putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith and the power working of God, who raised him from the dead, and you, who were dead in your trespasses, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all of our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with the legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This is the word of the Lord. Today our title is called Jesus, Our All in All. Let me pray for us one more time as we dive in. Father, again, your word has been read. May you make it take root in our lives. May it become true. May we live by it. In Jesus' name, amen. And get some water. So in 1996, my family, my mother got the letter from the embassy from the U.S. And this letter says, you are now free to come to the United States. So imagine at this time, I'm a young kid, I'm 11 years old, and my mother received this letter to come to the U.S. So to us, coming to the U.S. is like Disneyland. We are excited. So a few months pass. we are packing to go, and we are excited. But keep in mind for us as, as Haitians... We've never got close to get onto an an airplane. So I remember my excitement quickly turned into fear as we approached the airport. These planes are are, are massive. So you can only imagine being so young as we walk up with this magnitude of this machine. Shoke us. So I remember as we stepped into the plane, I grabbed my mother's hand and I squeezed it as if to never let it go. And I felt her squeeze my hand back. She was terrified. And so slowly we step up into those steps into the plane and we sat down. Again, we are squeezing each other's hand. It was my mother, myself, and my brother. And we're just praying that the Lord will make this plane take off and land safely. So finally the plane takes off and every turbulence felt like as if the plane was going to crash. And what was only about two hours felt like eternity. And two hours later we landed in Miami. And quickly that, that fear, that joy that we had... That left us because of fear, quick return because we said, praise the Lord. If God, God has made us land safely. So I remember, so we got off the plane and we're walking through the doors. Some men in uniform is trying to escort us everywhere we need to go. And again, it was probably chaotic, but all I was thinking as a kid is like, man, we made to Disney World. Let's go. And so they tell us, this is where you go. This is where you need to go. And my mother was so excited and we are so joyful. We arrived to the U.S. This has been a dream of ours. We've done it. One thing I didn't mention in my story is that growing up in Haiti, my mother was a woman of prayer. She would pray times a day, morning, noon, and evening, right before we eat any food. But I remember me, I, I wanted nothing to do with so with Jesus, but she would drag us to church. And so, so I went. So the reason why I tell the story of us coming to the U.S. is because when I arrived in the U.S., I was introduced to Jesus. So we arrived... Uh, so months goes by, and finally I started to understand how to read and understand English. And my friends at this particular time was giving their life to Jesus. And I said, well, if God could make a plane fly and land safely, maybe he is good. And my prayer wasn't the normal sentence prayer. It was this prayer I prayed. I'm like, Lord, well, it seems like you are good. So show me. Here's my life. Show me that you are. What I then know is that this prayer was going to forever wonderfully ruin my life. And so, but in the infancy state of my Christianity, it was very legalistic. I was made to believe that I needed more than just the finishing work of Christ. So there was this vicious cycle that every time I would mess up, I thought God was going to punish me. That I needed to go to church every Sunday. I needed to be in youth group every Wednesday. Although these things are not bad and we need them, but they were not ultimate things for God to love me. So every time I would mess up, I felt as if God was going to smite me. So it was, it was this cycle that brought shame and guilt. Then I kept asking myself, Lord, there must be a better way. Do I need to add to the finishing work of Christ? What's happening? Give me a better way. So then we come here to the book of, Coloss- of Colossians. The, the people in Colossae was experiencing this very thing where these false teachers are entering into the church and they're being told that they needed more than just the finishing off of Christ. And Paul, while being in prison, he's heard of this and he's writing this letter to encourage the people in Colossae, hang up a second, all you need is Christ. So these false teachers were emphasizing the teaching of, of worshiping of angels or you needed the, the whole tradition of men. And Paul... He's hearing of this, and he's heartbroken, and he's writing to the people of Colossians, the church in Colossae. And keep in mind, the people, the new believers in 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 Colossae were new Gentiles. So here's these new, new Gentiles becoming believers, and now they're being told, that's great that you accept Christ, but now here's the things that you need to do. Here's all the rules that you need to follow. And Paul's heart has been broken over it, and he's writing to them. And then we jump in here in chapter 2 and Paul writes to them to encourage their hearts. So today there are three points I want to highlight for us according to this passage. The first one is the sufficiency of Christ, the sufficiency of Christ. The second one is the deity of Christ. And third is the atoning work of Christ Christ. So let's look at our first point real quick the sufficiency of Christ. We look at it in verse six. If you have your Bible, please open it up with me. It says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, so walk in him. But before we go on I think, as saying, As you receive Christ Jesus, we see the word therefore. Whenever you are reading scripture and you stumble upon this word therefore, then you must pause and ask yourself, Why is it therefore? What is Paul talking about? And we know therefore is there to indicate uh, a logical connection between two true statements. So what statement is Paul here is connecting to this therefore as you receive? So let's go back a little bit to chapter 1. This is why Paul is saying therefore. In chapter 1, Paul was reminding the people in Colossae and the church of their status. And it says this in verse um, verse 11. Who can start? It says, being... Strengthened with all power according to the Father who qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom you will have redemption and forgiveness of sin. So Paul is reminding the church in Colossae, listen, you've been delivered and the Father has qualified you because of his son Jesus. And so because the son has qualified you, therefore, as you receive Christ, Jesus, so walk in him. Christ is enough. You've received him, walked in him. He's the one that allows you now to share in the inheritance of Christ. And Paul continued to do something so incredible here. So he knew how these false teachers were emphasizing the, the whole tradition of men. And Paul used the word receive, and this is, when he used the word receive, I get really excited. I'm talking really fast, you know. Let me, let me slow down a little bit. I'm getting really excited here. When Paul used the word receive, it's a way one receives something through um, tradition. And Paul's saying, no, as you receive Christ, not, to, not the tradition of men, as you receive Christ, Jesus, so walk in him. Paul did something really interesting here in this passage. So from chapter 1... Paul was encouraging them. And here, he says, so walk in him. He gave the imperative, which means he gave them a command. It was not a suggestion to do. He says, walk in him. Because he is all you need. So walk in him, being rooted and built up. Christ is enough. So as as I read this, I asked the question, often it's not just the false teacher's that makes us feel that we need more to the finishing work of Christ, a lot of times it is ourselves. We come to church and, and we feel guilty, or sometimes we just feel like we're not enough. We're not enough as parents, or we're not enough as sons, and we put this pressure on our own selves to say, maybe I need to do more for my mom to love me, or maybe I need to do more for the in-laws. You know, some of us have in-laws that when you walk in the room, it's always or when they walk in your house, they always say, Man, you need to clean this, clean this, clean this. And you as if you're not enough. Either we put it ourselves, doesn't necessarily need to be false teachers. We do it. Those around us do it. And Paul is reminding us even today that Christ is enough. He makes us enough. Though we may fall short in this area, but Christ is enough for us. So walk in him, being rooted and built up. And something else I think is important that Paul highlights is being rooted. Just like um, we need a, p- a palm tree can, stay, can stand any strong. Again, I grew up in Miami, uh, in Vero Beach where we have a lot of hurricanes. And palm trees are rooted in such a manner that even when the hurricane comes, they stand strong. And Paul seems to be, ruled up, be rooted and build up in him, established in the faith. Something great happens when we remain rooted. When we stand firm in, in, in the Christ that we've received, something else happens. We live with thankfulness. And Paul says, just as you are thought, abounding in thanksgiving, not only is Christ enough, not only as you receive them, walk in Christ, being rooted, but as we do so, we experience what? Thanksgiving. I can only imagine Paul's heart for the people in Colossae as he's hurting, wanting to encourage them. Saying, listen, the reason why I'm writing you this letter to encourage you. Because I want you to experience the thanksgiving that happens when you receive Christ and live in him and his finishing work. Not our own. Christ is sufficient. Nothing needs to be added to his work. So we continue in Paul. So Paul goes on. Uh, our next point, we see the deity of Christ in verse 9. It says, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. I want to move on by more. I want to pause. What is Paul saying here? For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells in bodily. Let's go back what Paul is saying. What does that mean, this whole fullness dwells in him, the deity this in verse, in verse 15 in chapter 1. This is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, Christ, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Where the throne the dominions, rules, or authority, all things were created through him and for him. And he is therefore, and, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So all the deity of Christ dwelled in Christ Jesus, in bodily form. And why is this important for Paul to note? Because only Christ, only God in human form fulfilled what the law required. So Christ has to be perfectly God to redeem his people. Only God can do the work that was required in our behalf. Only God himself can redeem such people. But Paul continues and says, you have been filled in him. As I read this, I'm required to to, to pause. I ask myself, Davidson, you need to stop here. So you just heard me read in in chapter 1 how all things in him were created. The one that holds all things together now dwells in us fully. Ladies and gentlemen, Wow, the Creator of heaven and earth dwells in us, and Paul is reminding you need nothing else. If the One that holds all things together dwells in you, you don't need the tradition of men. And Paul is highlighting this because they're emphasizing the worship of angels. And Paul is saying, hey, "Hang on a second, Christ is above all these elemental spirits. He is above it. He is God Himself." So even today in our society, we, we get to hear individuals saying, you don't only really need Jesus. Let's learn philosophies, the human philosophies. And at this time, the, the, the false teachers were emphasizing that you can follow or get knowledge and wisdom outside of Christ. And Paul's saying, Christ is above all. In him, he himself is wisdom. And Paul's reminding them that very God... Is in us. And who is the head of all rule and authority? I love how Paul, he continues to encourage them. And then we read, there's a part here that I won't go into details too much on it. It goes, you were circumcised with the circumcision made by human's hand. One thing to, uh, to note when we read about circumcision and circumcision in Scripture, it's, uh, it was a, a covenantal sign between God and his people. Um, But I won't spend too much time on that for you. Maybe Sir James will kind of pick it up next time. But as as we continue, we see not only is Christ enough, not only is Christ sufficient enough, not only Christ is God in human form. And because now this was important for us because only God himself can do the work that was required by the law for us to come before him with, with freedom and boldness. He did something else that was amazing. This is where we come to the atoning work of Christ. And here's what, here's what we read. I'm going to start in verse 13. It says, And you who were dead in your trespasses, in the uncircumcision of the flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with illegal demands. This he set aside, Nellia to the cross. This he set aside, Nellia to the cross. Let's pause. So he paid the debt that we owed. So it's like this you go out and you get a credit card and you spend. You spend it and finally you max out this credit card and you get the letter in the mail saying, hey, the bill is due, it's time to pay up. But instead of paying, you go out and get another credit card. And you spend it. You max that one out. You get, you get the, the letter saying, now it's time for you to pay out. Third time, you go out and get another credit card. And then finally, uh, the bills add up to about, let's say, $200,000. And you're like, man, how am I going to pay this? What's going to happen? You can imagine the stress when you have bills and loans due. And you say, Lord, how? How is this going to happen? And then out of nowhere, someone comes and says, I got you. I'll cover. I'll take the debt. Imagine that. And nothing that you did, He simply says, I'll, I'll take it for you. I'll do this. Something else that happens, I want to share another a, a, analogy that a friend really shared with me that I think helped to drive this point home the debt being paid. In ancient time in in the Roman prison, a certificate of debt was given that details all charges the prisoner had been found guilty of and why the penalty was for each offense. The certificate was written on parchment, a type of paper, and nailed to the door frame on the outside of the cell. When the prisoner had served his time for his offense, the certificate was taken down and the Greek word telestai. Which means paid in full was written across in large letters. Tetelestai is a, is a word from the Greek that was so widely used in the Romans that adapted it as well. It's the same way that we adopt um, French words into English. So the certificate with tetelestai written on it meant the debt has been paid in full. It was written, record that the criminal has paid his debt to society. And when Jesus died on the cross, his last word was um, that we have in English where it is finished. However, if we look to the original Greek, the last word Jesus actually say is to You can find that in John 19.30. The same word that was written on the, on the certificate of debt when the debt was paid in full. So when Jesus spoke. Final word, he was saying that the sin debt that every one of us had was paid in full when he died on the cross. Jesus no longer holds our sin against us because he completely and finally paid for all of them. Jesus completely and finally paid for all of them. All debt has been paid. Jesus Christ is all in all. Nothing else. Be added to the Word of Christ. We can now approach the throne of grace with freedom and boldness because Jesus is all we need. Amen. And so, I shared the story how I said, Lord, there has to be something better. I can't live in this vicious cycle. Fast forward to college life. I went to a church for the very first time I was was introduced to the gospel of grace. When I heard the pastor this time, his name is Pete Alwinson, he's a mentee of Steve Brown, he was preaching on how Christ Jesus not only died for my past sin, but present sin, future sin. I was broken, and this, this sermon propelled me to become a missionary in France, and hence why I have a French accent now. So this Haitian boy left Haiti, came to the U.S., lost his Haitian accent, went to France, have a French accent. I don't know how that works, but that's how it works. And so when I came to understand the Father looks at us when he sees us, you know what he sees? He sees perfection. He sees beauty because he sees his son in us. So for us as Christians, this is good news. So we know that we can do nothing else to add to the finishing work of Christ. But if you're in here, if you're not a believer, Listen, there is no more shame in Christ Jesus. If you're feeling shame and guilt today, there's freedom that is found in Christ Jesus. There's joy that is thanksgiving that can be found in Christ Jesus. He is our all in all. So I deal a lot with, with shame and guilt, and I needed to be reminded that my Christ has done it. The debt has been paid in full. So as we enter to the next week of your life, how are you going to live this out knowing that nothing you can do can add to the finishing work of Christ? He is sufficient. Not only is he sufficient, we can believe him because the whole fullness of God dwells in him. And only God himself could do the work that was required by the law. So beloved, come before the Father. guilt free, he's calling out to you. This is how much he loves you. That God was not willing to withhold his one and only son. He's saying, so that I want to ex- for you to experience me, the goodness that I have to give. So Paul, writing to the people in Colossae, not only was he encouraging them, but we found encouragement in this word too today. Because we experience the same thing every, every single day. And if it's not, and I'm grateful you guys are part of a great church with a great pastor that it is teaching the word of God, how Christ is enough. But for us, maybe it's not through the church that we have these false teachers. Maybe it's, it's ourselves. Maybe it's your brother or your friend or your in-law that will make you feel as if you're not enough. Or that are making you experience shame and guilt. Or we live in a society that may tell you you need to make this much money. Or if you're not making this much money, then you must not be that important. If you're not wearing this type of clothes, it must mean that you don't have money. But I'm here to tell you, in Christ Jesus, there's freedom. You are enough. Why are you enough? Because Christ has made us enough. May we live here today, be reminded of that, that Jesus is sufficient. That Jesus has done the work required by the law on our behalf. And because Jesus is fully God... We can hold strong to that. Beloved, the very one that created heaven and earth, the very one that holds all things together, that very God lives in us. That very God lives in us. Be encouraged today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for Jesus who is our Savior, our Redeemer. Father, thank you for calling us to yourself, for doing the work that we cannot do. God, we are humbled that you would see us in our lowly state and you will send your son Jesus to rescue us. It says that we love because you first love us. It's not an act that we did. You are the one that came close to us. You are the one that drew us to yourself. And God, if there are some of us here today that are experiencing shame or guilt, remind them how you love them. That Christ experienced shame for us so that we no longer would experience shame. God, remind us today it is Christ plus nothing equals everything. God, we thank you for who you are and the work that you're doing here in this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please stand with us. And let's sing
0: in response.